Okay, we might not be quite yeah. back, but who could have guessed? I mean, I don't know what to say right now, especially after the start of that game, especially after the way we started. It looked like the same old song and dance. But here we are. We beat eight, not only a team on the road, but we beat Miami on the road. Yeah. If you had to pick a road win for the first one in the Kenny Payne tenure at this point in the season, I don't think anybody's picking this game. I don't know what to do with myself. I know you probably don't either, Pat. I'm Kyle, the host of the Third Banner Pod tonight. Welcome, everybody. File on in. Let's all enjoy this together. We don't know how many more of these we're going to get. So let's just take this historical moment in. I'm joined by Patrick, and we're here to talk about a win on the road against arguably the best team in the ACC. Pat, what do you think, man? I mean, I'll tell you, I'm, uh, I'm glad I was on the pod tonight. Because if I wasn't, I probably wasn't going to watch that game. And I will admit, I enjoyed, after the first 10 minutes of that game, I enjoyed That was a, a good college basketball game. Um, man, a quad one win. I, I hope it's a quad one win. I, I don't know. A loss against us might, might knock uh, Miami out of that quad one status. But not really. But, man, I mean. I'm kind of speechless, man. It, 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 it's surprising for sure. It is. It is. First, before I get into it, Aaron B., Couch House, Tron, Desmond, good to see you in here. Louisville Go Cards, good to see you, man. Uh, okay. I think I think this was a tale of two halves in a way. But, but here's what I'll say. The first half, this is why, like, usually we're on the other end of what I'm about to say. But what happens is – if you let a team hang around that shouldn't hang around, you give them life. You give them a sense of hope, a sense of belief that they may not have. And I felt like Miami in the first half, I mean, we we commit a lot of turnovers. We did. Yeah. But that's normal for us. Miami, they usually don't play like that, that reckless. And it just looked like they were sleepwalking a bit in the first half. And we stayed in the game. And what that did is it gave us life. And then the second half happened. And I yeah. feel like in the second half was when we really started to play well. We took care of the ball more. I mean, really, Mike James going off at the beginning. He had a Steph Curry moment. That's what really kept us in it. Normally, that's when we would have got down big because we were turning the ball over a lot. But Mike James, he hit shot after shot after shot. And when he did that, it gave us a chance in the first half. Then Miami was careless with the basketball along with us. Yeah. And at that point, it was kind of neck and neck. By the time the second half happened, we started hitting big shots. We're starting to take care of the ball. We're starting to go inside more. Yeah. And what do you know? I mean, they had that kid on their team, and I don't know why his name's escaping me right now, but he was killing us in transition. But Cleveland. Other than, who, who was it? Cleveland, Matthew Cleveland. Yeah, Matthew Cleveland. He was, But other than that, I mean – 
nobody on their team really had a huge night. And we just kept fighting and give all the credit in the world to the guys. They could have folded. I mean, look, after that first couple of minutes, we had like three turnovers in the first four possessions, and we went down like six, six nothing, I think it was. I mean, that doesn't sound like a huge deficit, and it's obviously not. But when you see what we've seen all year, especially on the road against that team, and you get down like that, like right off the bat, you're like, here we go. Are we going to lose by 30 or are we going to lose by 50? And then that's when Mike James had a Steph Curry night and started going off. And I thought, well, that's not going to be enough alone. That's just going to keep it interesting for the time being. And then the other guys started to step up and play big. Uh, I thought Brant Huntley Hatfield had another big game. He's been very consistent this year, very consistent. And in in some ways throughout the season has been disappointing because I remember on this pod, I said he was the X factor between us having a, a solid team and us having a really bad team. If he played well and made a big leap, we would have a good basketball team because he'd be that bridge between Dennis Evans and, and Manny, obviously Dennis Evans is gone now, but uh, that being said, you know, we struggled even with him playing well. So that that's been a bummer, but tonight he played well. Obviously, Mike James did what he did. The supporting cast did well. Curtis hit some big shots. I, I mean, Tyler played well. I think Curtis Williams might have had five assists. I mean, the guys passed yeah. it well. Defense is still what it is. It is what it is on defense. But tonight's not a night to browbeat. Tonight, you take a road win against my – okay. here And uh, real quick, let Uncle – or well, that's not – Larry, Larry, welcome to the chat, man. I think that's a different Larry than who I thought it was. Uh, Desmond, good to see you in here, man. Uh, we will, yeah, we will provide the link in a few for you guys to provide some feedback. Uh, so first thing I want to do though, is kind of, you know, go into the box score. I'm going to break that stuff down, but I really thought, I mean, I really thought even though, you know, you could, you could nitpick little things here and there to get a win like this. I know what I was going to say. Miami won 25 out of 26. Of their, of their last 26 home games. They've won yep. 25 out of their last 26. We have lost 22 straight road games and have not had a road win in the Kenny Payne era. So naturally, just like Louisville always does, we find a way to make things weird, and we pick this game to win. Yep. So it, it's it's it's, infa- it's it's unfathomable. I want to see what was the prediction, like the, the predictor that they have out. I want to say it was like 92% my percent Louisville. I think it might have been we had like a 4% chance. Of no, you're right. It was higher than that. I don't know exactly oh. what it was. It was very, very low. That's why you play the games, though. I mean, that's why sports are so interesting because you don't know when the weird moment's going to happen where something unpredictable happens, but it's going to happen. Yep. And that's why you play the games. Uh, it, it's it's uh, interesting. It's it's. It's, it just keeps it keeps you on your toes, and this is a night to celebrate as Louisville fans. <laughs> this yeah. is a night to celebrate. Cap fan, uh, I know you're probably trolling, but whatever. Hey, we we won. You know, I don't yeah. think any of us think we're Welcome 96 goals, but we'll take any win we can get right now. I mean, the season still has to play out, so you might as well win some games. Uh, Danny Grace, is this Bose's best day of his entire adult life? It might be. I bet he is. He's – I bet he's walking with his chest out right now. He's probably pumped up. He's the biggest Kenny Payne fan I know. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's pumped. Uh, we're going to have to 
We're really gonna have to get in. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this box score up for uh, yeah. And, and while you're pulling that up, I'll, I'll give some of my thoughts. I, I thought you know the, the the first ten minutes of the first half was was bad basketball. Um, like you said, it, it started off really bad for us. It was sloppy basketball turnovers by both teams, and I thought their turner, turnovers kept us in the game. Because we got some, we, we did we did capitalize off of those turnovers, um, and and Mike James, as as you said in the Discord, had a had a Steph Curry moment where everything he put up went in for about five minutes. Um, I thought I will be honest with you, the second half is probably the best coaching job I've seen Kenny Payne do here. I thought there was a concentrated effort to get inside paint touches that led either to BHH, you know, Huntley Hatfield getting, you know, a, an easy bucket or, or having a nice post move for a bucket, or we got a touch inside and eventually got an open three outside. Um, so I thought, I thought it was an impressive game plan in the second half. I'll give KP credit for that. I'll give the kids credit for, Playing hard. I thought, you know, Huntley Hatfield, as you said, has been pretty consistent all year. He's had a bad couple of games the past two games. I thought he was the X factor, as you said, because he, you know, his rebound numbers aren't gaudy. I think he had, he had nine, but he was boxing out and creating rebounds for other people. And he did an unbelievable job on, on their big guy, who I think, is having a pretty good year and, and he held him to five shots, which means that you were pushing him off the post. He's not getting position. I thought uh, Huntley Hatfield played an outstanding game and he, even though James shot well, um, I, I thought BHH was the player of the game. Um, and, 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 you know, this is a talented, this is a, is a win over a talented Miami team. I mean, they've got, you know, Nigel Pack, he might not be a pro, but he, he's a he's a big time college basketball player. Cleveland's a pro. They've got some other guys on there that probably have some pro potential. I mean, this is a it's a it's a good Miami team that we beat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm looking at the box score now. So uh they did out rebound us 38 to 34, but it kind of makes sense when you see how many shots we made on the offensive end, but I'll get to that. But we we had 17 assists to 11 turnovers tonight, and that is that's really impressive because when there was the at the under four timeout, which occurred at three minutes and 56 seconds, both teams had nine turnovers. So yeah. that means for the final 24 game minutes, we had two turnovers. That was the difference in the game right there. Now Miami had 13 turnovers. So they, they had more turnovers than us. They had one less assist. So that we had a 17 assists, 11 turnovers. They had 16 assists with 13 turnovers. And Miami also did a better job in the second half of protecting the, the basketball, but they had a couple more turnovers than we had in that second half. It really was a really good basketball game in the second half. That's the thing. Like the first half, I even tweeted, this looks like a soccer game. These guys were all dribbling off their feet. They just didn't – I mean, and a lot of it just looked lazy, lackadaisical. But I think the issue there is like we took that and we were like, hey, we are in this game. 
and we got whole week. There was life injected into us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Miami got a little tight because let's be honest, you don't want to lose this game on your home court. You don't want to lose any game, but you definitely don't want to lose this one. This is the kind of game whenever you're looking at your, your tournament resume later, if you're Miami, that's going to knock you down a couple of spots on the seating. If, if, you know, if, if you're not careful, unless you just dominate the rest of the season, but this is the kind of game you don't want to lose. But, you know, that's, that's not our problem. You know, we, we were just happy that we won. Uh, let's see. Field goal percentage. We shot 49% from the field tonight. So almost 50%. They shot 39%. A lot of their open threes that normally go in, they did not go in. Our three-point percentage was 44%. We shot 44% from behind the arc. A lot of that, of course, was Mike James. And they shot 32%. Miami did. We shot 88% from the free throw line. They shot 53%. I did notice Miami missing a lot of free throws. I figured it was around 50. So, yeah, uh, we shot very well. I would say neither team played great defense at all. It did look kind of like playground basketball in that first half in particular. But when it tightened up in the second half, we continued to shoot well, and, and they didn't. It was really the Matthew Cleveland game for them, and that was it. He's the only one, and I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't go to him more. I felt like it got to the point where it's like, just give it to him every time. But they didn't do it. Nigel Pack, he did not play well. You know what's funny is I've always said the best game uh, until tonight, I had said the best game that we played in the Kenny Payne tenure was last year at Miami when we almost beat them. Almost beat them, yeah. And it was a loss, but again – Look at our wins. We just haven't had any until tonight. This is the big win. This is the biggest win of the Kenny Payne tenure. Not Clemson last year was okay, but this is bigger win than Clemson last year for sure. Right, and and so I'm looking at uh, something about going to Miami and playing down there. We must like South Beach a lot. Obviously, our football team does too. So uh, it's not it's not good to be a Miami fan playing Louisville right now. I'll say that. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of while you were going through this stuff, I was kind of looking up, you know, because I've watched Miami a couple times this year, and I'm like, man, they, these guys are good. They've got four guys in their starting lineup, averaging over almost 14 points a game, and each one of them shooting over 46 percent from the field, which is 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 good in college basketball. That that kid I I was talking about earlier, their big guy. Averages 18.1 and 9.8 on 63% from the field. And and this is mostly Huntley Hatfield. We held him to nine points and seven rebounds. I mean, that's a that's a good job. I thought I, th- I thought, you know, you talked about defense. I thought, and it's been it's been the story all year. I thought our transition defense was really bad. That's how they got most of their points, is is off of misses and running the court. That's where Cleveland was killing us. Um, But I thought our half-court defense, we gave up some open three-point shots, but we we did pretty solid. We did well against them in the paint. Um, So, yeah, again, man, I thought the – and I was just so surprised. I've been so used to this team and teams in the Kenny Payne era just jacking up contested threes, contested mid-range jumpers. 
And I thought in the second half, man, we, we did made a concerted effort to get it in the post and we got good shots for the first time, you know, against a, against a top notch team, you know, in the Kenny Payne era, really Texas, maybe too, but, but this was more impressive for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and post this link in the stream yard. Cause I had a couple of people ask. So if you click on that, you can join our lobby and then now we can bring you in for just a take kind of like how you do on a radio show when you call in, but it's just, you getting on, it'll be on your phone. You just provide your take about what you saw tonight or how you feel about it. It's one of those things where, look, I see people up higher in the chat earlier saying like, this doesn't change anything. You know, we're still probably, it's probably a fluke win. Listen, man. <laughs> yeah, I get overall, like, I get it. I don't think it changes a thing, but, but I mean, I'm going to just try to enjoy this win for what it is. Just going to try to enjoy this win for what it is. That Because, right. like, you don't, you this might be the last win we get. I hope not. Mm -hmm. Your hope is that these guys can use this as a springboard to see, like, hey, you know, it's one thing to go beat. Pepperdine, it's a whole different ball game when you go on the road and beat a team like Miami. I mean, can these guys use it as a springboard? I don't think we're. I mean, we're probably out of the tournament. It'd take a. It'd take a absolute one eighty to make the tournament. Yeah. So we're not talking about making the tournament. We're talking about these guys looking better and getting a few wins, and kind of like tonight. I mean, we got a win we didn't think we were going to get. So. I don't know. We'll see what happens. What I don't want to see happen is that they go out there the next game and just lay an egg. That would yeah. be, because now, now you've seen what they're capable of. And I know we've all felt like, or most of us have felt like we were capable of doing this all year with this roster. So to actually go out there and do it and you're a bit undermanned right now, let's be honest. Yeah. We're a bit I undermanned. Mean, so it's, it's impressive that we were able to go win this game. I mean, you've got, yeah, you've got seven scholarship players and one of them, and I mean, no offense to the kid, is D'Lo, who is not a scholarship type player. Um, so, you, you know, you you have really six guys that can contribute, you know, yeah. on the team right now um, and that, that aren't injured. And, and that's just – you know, I thought that the funny thing is, and I said this in the discord, I thought in the first half, and it's crazy them watching us in the second half, but I thought in the first half, we looked like we were out of shape. I mean, you saw people huffing and puffing, you know, but the second half, I mean, and, and sometimes it's that spark of, of, like you said, hanging in there, it gives you that second win. But yeah, you know, I, I didn't see any, any people, you know, it was a different having team. Their, yeah, having their hands on their hips and, and huffing and puffing in the, the second half. I mean, it looked like a completely different team. It was crazy. And it's just a matter of focus. Yeah. I mean, can you channel that same energy and continue to replicate that? Because that's what it came down to to me. It was kind of like we were – both teams were just in a lull in the first half, but it gave us the life we needed, whereas Miami, on the other hand, was like, why are they still in this game right now? That being said, I'm going to add Desmond to the chat, or he's going to join us real quick. Let me get our banners right before I uh, – I'm going to take the banners off, actually. Let me get in here. Uh, let me see. 
having a hard time on mouse right now. Hang in there, Desmond, real fast. I'm going to pull this off. There you are. All right. How's it going, man? Good. How y'all doing? Doing well. Great, doing man. well, obviously. Man, I'm so happy, man. Night, man. Man, I'm so happy. I was like, not seeing a half-time score. I was like, okay, we down by a couple points. It's like, as long as we stay in the game, we good. But, man, that second half was so amazing. Like, we see, like I agree with um Patrick, though. Our transition defense, oh, my God. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I like we played good well tonight. And Mike James and Brandy Hunley Hatfield, Brandy Hunley Hatfield showed me something tonight. Like if he could just yeah. play consistent like that, I'll be happy with him. And Curtis Williams with them with them plus three pointers and the assist that came through. And like everybody was just like focused. You could just tell it was just different. It's like yeah. something, I don't know, it's just something was just different about tonight. And I'm just glad we pulled it out by nine points. I was like, I know how to feel like we're gonna win this game. Like, I don't know, it's just had a good feeling that we're going to win this game. I'm just happy we got this win. I, and, I, know, and I hope it's that we can just be build, build momentum off this win so at least, you know, finish the season off on a positive note. That's all I want. You know, yeah. that, that was the thing about, like, feeling good about winning. I felt like when we got to about eight minutes left in the game, I don't know why, but I, I actually did feel like – I was like, we're going to win this. And I did, you know, those first two minutes of the game when we just like kept turning the ball over and they were just like, it was a layup lane for them for those first few buckets. I, I thought, I was like, we're going to lose by 30. But then obviously we we weathered that storm because of Mike James raining threes. And then, you know, we, we started protecting the ball in the second half. But by that eight minute mark, I was like, you know, this team, I wouldn't want to be Miami right now when a team like Louisville, who hasn't won a road game in forever, and a team like yourselves, who has won 25 out of our last 26 home games, is on the ropes. Like, you, that's a lot of pressure. All of a sudden, you get tight because that's not a game you can lose in their shoot, in their position. Like, you can't do it. And then us, you know, all of a sudden, we've got hope that we've never had on the road. So, you know, they did it. They pulled it out. And uh, did you have any final thoughts before I, before I resume it, Desmond? Uh, this, this, I'm just, it's, it's a good win. All I got to say is just, I hope that we can build off of this confidence-wise and, you know, know that we can go anywhere and play good. We can win. That's but we just got to remain focused and just stay humble and stay hungry. And we'll be all right. We'll be okay. We'll be all right. I appreciate you being on, man. All right, yeah, you have a good night. Hey, you you too. too, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, I thought, you know, I, I kind of want to expand on some stuff that Desmond said. Uh, it is, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, Kyle. It, it, I thought the focus in the second half was the best we've had in, yeah, in the year and a half. And it, I, I'd be interested, in, and we didn't get a chance to – listen to the post game and what Kenny's saying because you know we're preparing for the pod but I'd be I'd be interested to hear what Kenny said in that locker room because they it really did look like the focus the effort the understanding of the game plan in the second half of this game was different than it's been all year so you have to I mean maybe it just clicked but you have to imagine something was said to maybe get that to to click. Um, and I also thought to kind of, and th this is goes off of what you said, Kyle, you know, you said, Hey, you know, at eight minutes, I thought we could win this game. And that kind of, you know, I, I went back and was thinking about how I was watching the game. And, and one thing I noticed to this game that was 
uncharacteristic in a good way for this team is in other games where we've been in the game and we've taken a lead, you know, in the second half, you know, and the other team, you know, answers back, we usually fold. And there's multiple times in this game where, hey, we've got a five-point lead. Mm. Oh, and in, and, and in 30 seconds, they scored five points, and we didn't fold. That happened about three or four times. You're right. You're right. Um, so I, I thought, I don't know, there was, there was a lot of stuff that I was really surprised about in this game in a good way. And again, man, my biggest takeaway is for the past year and a half, I have, I have kind of, when we go into games, I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I want to watch this. And this was the first time, I don't know, I enjoyed watching the Texas game, but th- this was the first time I, I was into a game. And throughout probably the last 30 minutes of the game and, and like heck man, I was on the on the bike downstairs and I was like, ah, I you know, I was trying to move upstairs to here and I was like, I gotta wait till a, a timeout because I'm I'm so into this thing. And yeah, any other game I, I'm I'm shutting off the TV. I'm I'm making myself a a snack and stuff and then I'll <laughs> I'll come up here and, and, and catch it. So I don't know, man. It, it, it was a, it was a fun night. For sure. I'll tell you what. Uh, the, the, to kind of piggyback off your point about them coming back with five to six point runs to tie the game, when they threw that alley oop in transition mm-hmm. from half court, or well, it might have been a little past half court, but when they threw that long alley oop and flushed it, that was the one time that I started to think, oh man, that play like that could really could really do you in. Yeah. But they didn't feed him the ball as much as I thought they should have. I think no. he should have had the ball every single possession and just went straight to the hole with it because there was no proof we could stop him. But yeah, he's a he's a pro. He's a pro. He is. But they they didn't, and we continue to respond. We continue to answer with big shot after big shot. So for one night at least, you know, I I, I see so many comments about well, you know, this doesn't change anything. I see some worry, like, well, does this one win mean that we're going to just continue this? I mean, let's not look, let's not look too far in the future with this one. All right, this isn't, this is you got, you get, you might get one win on the road. It's the first win of the Kenny Payne era. We don't know what'll happen after that. Let's just, let's just take this one night and imagine, imagine now. I know Miami fans in general are more football fans, but imagine being a Miami fan tonight, who's a hardcore basketball fan. Just imagine it. I'd be fuming. I'd be absolutely fuming. Well, and and not to take away from our our win because again, man, I I thought we played well. But like this is a you know, as a Miami fan, this this is a killer loss for your resume, man. At home to uh I mean we came in the worst, you know, computer rating wise, the worst power five team in the country. So that's a I mean yeah, that's that's a bad loss for their resume for sure. <clears throat> so I'd see on Saturday we get NC State at home at noon. And NC State's eleven and three right now. Looks like they're in a battle right now with North Carolina, who we get after them. So it doesn't get much easier for us. Um, I think NC State isn't as good of a team as Miami when Miami's clicking, so there is that. And we are at home, so there is that. So I you know that that that's really what's gonna tell the tale. Is this a fluke game? Or is this a building game? And you're going to know, by the way, if we come out there and look like we have all year against NC State after a win like this, 
that's going to be really disappointing. But if we come out and, and end up beating them, uh, that, that sets up a positive momentum going into, going into North Carolina and Chapel Hill. Now, I, I, that's going to be a tough win no matter what. Yeah. But, you know, let's just get there. I really think we need to build on that momentum and, and try to beat NC State, though. I mean, you try to win every game, but you know what I'm saying. Like, realistically, yeah. we can beat NC State if we play the way we did in the second half today. We can't, but it's, it's consistency, and you just hope that mentally, psychologically, that, that, that our mindset is better after this. And I kind of wonder if, they, if the guys finally figured out, like, if nobody thinks you're going to win a game, there's no pressure on you to win the game. Yeah. There's none. There's yeah. absolutely no pressure, and you can use that to your advantage. It's never been that this team's not talented. Now, we do have some injuries right now. And when Danilo is in your, you know, starting rotation, that that that's rough. So, but there is talent on this team. There's 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 more of a. I feel like these guys are a little bit more hungry and have more t- uh, cohesiveness than last year's group did. Yeah. So, they have the ability to win games like North Carolina State. It's yeah. never been that they're not talented enough. It's just putting together a sound game plan, staying focused. And could going from there and, and just being consistent. I see Couch House says, obviously a fluke, but happy for the players. We all know what's ahead. Well, I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, it could be, but I'm not going to – I guess I'm just not going to – we can look at a North Carolina State game when that game happens, and then we can yeah. call it a fluke after that. But I just don't want to crap on it tonight. Not tonight. Yeah, no, you yeah. – I mean, this is a you – Because know, it's rare. It's just been it's so rare. rare. This isn't the night to crap on it. Well, we we live. I mean, we live in the moment, you know, and and we've lived in the moment on all the bad times, and we we've called it how it is. So, I, you know, tonight we're gonna call it how it is, and it, it looked like good basketball. And, and you know, looking ahead to NC State, and listen, I, I'm not saying this this could come out the wrong way. Um, I I don't blame fans for not attending games and and stuff like that. So what I'm saying does not pertain to fans not coming to games, but I'm hoping that a game like this can, you know, kind of get people not, I'm not bought into the season, but say, Hey man, maybe Saturday at noon, I'll get some tickets and go out there and, and watch the cards. Um, Cause heck, if they play like this again, it'll be it'll be a fun game to go see in person. Yeah. Um, I might I might take my three year old. Um, noon is a is a decent time. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that maybe it helps us with attendance next game. Yeah, my wife works this weekend, so I'll have the little little one. But uh, it would be nice if you get a little spike in attendance. I do think it's going to take. A few games at the very least. And yeah. I don't know. There, there are a lot of people have made up their mind already on all this. It, the, the, I don't even want to look at the big picture because of how uncomfortable that is in this moment. I guess that's where I'm going with it for people that are uh, – I don't want to look at the big picture right now because it, it's just right after a big win like this, it just feels weird to immediately think like, well, this changes nothing. We're st- we still suck overall. We we still got a coaching decision. I don't I don't really want to do that when these kids. I mean, I feel better. I feel happy for the kids more than anybody right now. I mean, these kids they do try. 
I mean, as far I mean, the effort at times I think is lacking the focus. But overall, I think they, you know, they're bought into the program, and they seem like good kids. They really do. This isn't like I feel like yeah. last year's team. I had a hard time enjoying last year's team because of such a lack of effort. Like over the course of the yeah. entire games, from tip off to the end. There's been some issues, obviously, with this basketball team. I'm not saying it's it's a good team. I'm saying that the kids seem like good kids, and I like the group of them as kids. And so it's good anytime they can get a win like this. It's good for them. I don't I, I don't envy any of them for being in the position they're in, where they have to hear it all the time about how horrible Louisville is. I mean, we. I mean, and yes, that's partly on them as players, but at the end of the day, it's not because they want to be that way. So it's like you know, anytime you can get a good win like this, you 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 just have to enjoy it for the moment. And we can talk about the you know the the rest of the season when we get there. I think that, like I said earlier, I think the telltale sign is going to be an NC State game. How do we look when we come out against NC State? And how do we play? At the end of the day, you still have to win the games too. So even if you look good but you lose a close game, that's not going to cut it, especially when you've already lost as many as you have. Right. So you're going you're, you're gonna to have to carry this momentum because, I mean, it's going to be hard to go into Chapel Hill next week and win that game. It's just it's going to be very difficult. So you really want to get some positive momentum under your belt in multiple games, and this was a starting point. And that's, that's the way – if I'm Coach Payne, that's what I'm telling him. I'm like, guys – your season started today. Don't worry about whatever happened before that. It all led up to this moment. It finally all came together for you, and we still have a lot we can improve. That's the thing. I don't think we played a great game tonight. That's the wildest part of it. I don't think we played lights out tonight, particularly in that first half. Yeah. So I would use that even. I'd say there's still a lot of things you can do to grow. But, hey, you see what you're capable of doing, especially in that second half. It's just consistency at this point. Yeah. Well, the, the great thing about this, too, from a Kenny Payne and, and team standpoint, is you can take the tape here and say, hey, look, look, you, you feed the post, you know, BH, you know, Huntley Hatfield. You, you, you fight for position down there. We get you the ball. Good things happen. We can do that, you know. We haven't in the Kenny Payne area. There hasn't been many opportunities for the coaching staff to take film and say, "Hey, look what happens when you do good things." And so this is one of the first times you can do that. You can say, "Hey, guys, look when you do things the way you should, this is what happens." And like you said, and there's also things that you can point out and say, "Hey, listen, we won this game, but our transition defense wasn't good enough. We got we got to get back on on D." on a missed shot. We've got, you know, Kurt, I thought Curtis was a good offensive player tonight. I thought they you know, obviously yeah. missed some, some shots, but hit some big shots. And I thought he passed the ball. Well, Curtis has to, to learn not to watch his shot when he shoots, because that's, I mean, that's how Cleveland yeah. got, got a ton that's of his true. points. Um, that is true. It's like that you lose, you lose a whole step when you do that and that kills yeah. us all night. No. So, so yeah, I mean, I just think that's, that's something I think that that'll be big in this game is you can take the tape and say, Hey, look, we did some good things and look what it led to. 
mm -hmm. um, which I'm not sure you've been able to do much of it in, in this, you know, KP era. So, so yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It, it's going to be, you know, you take stuff one game at a time, uh, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't mean that the season is turned around, but Hey, for this one night, we, we played one good night. basketball. We beat, beat a good team. So let's see if we can carry it over to yeah, the next. We get one night to celebrate and then you can look in the North Carolina state game to really see if we've turned, if we've, if we've turned a corner or not, that, yeah. I mean, that's going to tell the tale. Uh, I, I thought we shot very well. That's something that we usually don't do even on our home court. So, we, I mean, shooting 44% from three point land, yeah. shooting 49% overall, that's not Louisville this year. So that was a big thing, but the biggest thing again, comes down to turnovers, you know, two turnovers in the final 24 minutes of gameplay compared to nine turnovers in the first 16 minutes of gameplay, you know, and, and luckily for us, I say luckily because Miami was just as reckless in that first 16 minutes. So it didn't cost us like it normally does. That's something going forward though, where you got to look at it and say, Hey man, if we can play like we did those last 24 minutes as, as far as protecting the basketball, what, what can we possibly be? Because that's been one of our biggest issues all year I'd say the biggest issue has been our defense. To kind of touch on, you said something about half-court defense earlier in the pod, and I didn't really piggyback off of that. But I, I was impressed with our half-court defense, not our not our transition defense. It was no. terrible. Yeah, and I mean, we they did they still they still had a lot of open threes and that they missed. But I felt like in half court, a lot of times they couldn't get the ball inside. Every time they went to go inside, we stripped it. Yeah, we stripped. I mean, not every time, but you know, a lot. It was very consistent that we were stripping the ball when they would take it inside, and that led to a lot of transition baskets for us. So that that was very important as far as a key part of us winning tonight. And you have right. to expound upon that. Our three point defense, though, and our transition defense, that's gotta get better, man. Yeah, it's just gotta get better. Yeah, um, no, yeah, they they definitely got some open threes. I thought, and and I said this earlier, and I'm. I'll let you continue after this, but it, it piggybacks off what you said about the, their post play. Um, and this is mostly, again, due to, to Brandon. But we, and, and it doesn't show up in the box score, but the, the way that our interior defense, mostly Huntley Hatfield, kept their big guy off the post. Their big guy could not get the position he needed to get good shots in the post, which is why he only had five shots. He went three for five. He shot 60%. But a guy that averages 18 points a game only got five shots, and that's because he didn't get position in the post to, to get entry passes and, and to get into a, a scoring position. And that's, you know, Brandon did a good job. And, and I also thought, like you said, our, and this is probably what led to some of their open threes, but but we did a good job of collapsing on the post when they got the ball there and stripped the ball, double teamed, and, and it was yep. smart double teams. We, we double teamed where we could, where we made it hard for them to, you know, pass out of the post. Usually we'll come double team and it's late and, and you know, it, it, it's easier to pass it out of the post when you're late on the double team. I, I thought 
Our interior half-court defense was good. Like you said, the still gave up some threes. But, yeah, I mean, I was impressed with what we did on the interior on defense. Uh, so I did. I do see that the chat is starting to turn a little bit to football. We would be remiss, even though it's a night of basketball celebration, we'd be a little remiss not to talk about what's been happening in the transfer portal and touch upon some of those things because, you know, we're killing it right now. Yeah. We are absolutely killing it. So we had a huge weekend in football with commitments going into Monday. Really, we had a really big, really big weekend. So I did want to get into that some. I've got the I've got the guys pulled up here as far as who we've got committed. We've gotten some good ones. Uh, the biggest one, and props to the guy Patrick that's you know you know in our group chat who he nailed it. I mean he had a guy he said to look out for that was going to flip possibly from an SEC school. I mean, he told us who it was, but it was – the coaching staff did a really good job with Tamari McDonald. Yeah. They met with Tamari McDonald earlier in the week, last week, kept it under wraps. Kept it, kept under it wraps. very under wraps. So I kind of even questioned in my head, is this really even true that we're even pursuing this kid? Because nobody else is bringing it up. And that doesn't mean that nobody else knew, but whoever else knew, they weren't talking. So, to land him, the staff went out of their way to keep that under wraps, and they pulled it off. So, props to them. They did a great job. Wesley Walker is the other Tennessee guy, the safety. Uh, we got two safeties that were from Tennessee. Of course, Tamari McDonald was one that we flipped from Ole Miss. Uh, Wesley Walker also has a stepbrother, who, Tyler Barron, and that was an interesting recruitment. We were hoping to flip him from Ole Miss, a defensive end, an edge rusher that we we desperately need one more. Now, Mason Rieger's really good. Don't get me wrong. But he's more of a pass rush specialist. He's yeah. had injury problems. We still need a guy we can consistently put out there to get the majority of the first and second down snaps yeah. unless he makes a big leap. The staff is looking for another edge, so I don't mind saying that. It's no disrespect to Mason. He's a really good player. But – his specialty is rushing the quarterback on third down. And then, you know, health issues being what they are, you need to build depth. Now we have a, we have Green, the the true freshman, who's going to be a sophomore. I think he's got all the potential in the world. Yeah. But he's still filling out his body, still kind of small for this level. So we really need another guy. And we thought Tyler Barron may flip, but we were never told, like, the, the same people that were kind of saying – you know, look out for Tamari McDonald at Ole Miss. We're, we're trying to get him. We're like, don't get too high on Tyler Barron. You know, he's really rooted in Ole Miss. And we started to see the rumors, hear the rumors. We saw the tweet from from uh, Wesley about him joining, and we all got excited. Then he deleted the tweet. So that kind of got – as soon as he deleted that tweet, I thought, well, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off or not. Uh but yeah, I was always kind of told like it's 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 iffy on Tyler Barron, which we had pursued Tyler Barron early oh, in the yeah, transfer cycle, and he didn't really have much reciprocation on that. He really wanted to go to Ole Miss, so uh, you know that's fine. We got to find an edge, but that's one of the last positions we have left to fill. We also got Antonio Meeks, the D two receiver out of Tuskegee, and. I'm really excited about him. I think he's a great third or fourth option as a receiver. Yeah. He high points the ball very well. He has a huge catch radius. And those two things are things that transition to any level of football. 
That's what I look for when I'm looking at a D2 guy. Yeah. What does he have skill set wise that transfers over to D1, Power 5 football? Huge catch radius, high point in the football. Those things transition. I would say his ability to get separation would be something that he has to improve on at this level because it's going to be harder. And I did notice that in a lot of the videos I watched, even at the D2 level. And I don't think he's going to blow blow the top off as far as speed. I don't think he has blazing speed. But, again, you're talking about third or fourth option, in my opinion, behind Lacey and Jakari Brooks out of Alabama. And, you know, it may be – Chris Bell as a, as a receiver three, I'd say him and Bell are kind of neck and neck right now. And Bell has all the potential in the world. It's just more yeah. about him keeping his head on straight and staying focused during the game yeah. and, and locked in. He has all the potential in the world. But, you know, if he's a guy talking about Meeks, he's a guy that you can throw the ball up to and you have a huge catch radius, which means you can lob it up there sometimes, like on a fade in the end zone. You can do that. He can come down with it. Well, he can when, throw a jump ball up there, and he's probably going to get it. When's the last time we had? I mean, it's been a long time since we've had a guy. Now we were hoping Bell would be a guy like this, but a guy that you can throw the ball up to, and he's going to fight for the ball in the air. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, the last really really good guy we had at that is is, is Parker. Parker, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, Which we don't think he's gonna be Parker. Let's, let's make between, that clear. In between that, I, I don't know. No, 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 no. But but we haven't had really many guys after Parker, and Parker's no. extremely talented. They can go up and, yeah. and and fight for the ball in the air. Um, yeah. So uh, it, it's a it's a he he brings something new to our receiving core. I think. Yeah, you're right, and that's uh, that's yeah, the whole right. thing. We obviously we got. We three three receivers hit the portal, and I think that a lot of that was mutual. Like the staff saying, "Hey, we need more production out of the receiving room, so we're we're cleaning house." And I mean, that's literally, I know I know a player on a team that said the coaching staff was literally like, "We are cleaning house." So they told some yeah. of the kids that. So it's not surprising. I do kind of wish Coleman could have stuck along stuck on the team. I feel like he had a lot of potential. You saw some of his big playability. It's hard to know how much of the receiving output this year was limited by quarterback play and how much of it was on the receivers because neither position played very well. Is that my – oh, I hear a noise in the back. I'm sorry, up. my freaking printer is going. Oh, you're oh you're good. I just was making sure what my computer – anyway, so obviously the receivers, they had key drops this year. They failed to get separation at times. But then also you got to think Jack Plummer, and no disrespect to him, he left a lot of balls – you know, short or too long, and he just he airmailed a lot of them that were close, or he hit the, he or he hit their feet, and then it seemed like whenever he would hit them right in the right in the bread basket, we drop it like like Amari Huggins Bruce. I was worried he might hit the portal after I saw that USC drop on the first drive because that was a beautiful throw. Was <laughs> we finally throw. get the kind of throw we want, and he just dropped it. And he had he had a few of those drops this year, and it just seems like the opportunities some of these guys got. As few as they were, they didn't take advantage of them. So, obviously, we're moving on to a different quarterback. But sounds like we want to clean house in the receiving room, too. Yeah, we well, into some of these other guys. You know, we got Davis, uh, the linebacker out of Texas A&M. He's been a journeyman. I think he's a depth piece. I don't think he's going to be a starter. 
but he's a good guy with experience to have back there as your second or third string. Yeah. Uh, Rasheed Miller, offensive tackle out of, I believe it was Georgia Southern. He is a guy who I think he, he played under, under Owens when Owens was the offensive line coach out there. So there's some familiarity there. And, you know, we got the Houston offensive lineman. Uh, we, we like our him. Houston offensive lineman, man. <laughs> and I don't know how it's Rubens' first name. I do not know how to say his last name. So U-N-I-J-E. I don't want to say it wrong. And Day McCullough out of Oklahoma, a safety. I expect him to be a big producer at this level. We yeah. really loaded up on safety. So that that's that's great to see. Well, I, I think like you said, in the wide receiver room, I, you know, Brom said we're clean, cleaning house. I think he said the same pretty much in the safety room. Um, I think, you know, yeah, the, the USC game was a bowl game. It's It's at this point a glorified exhibition game. But I think Brom was pissed after that game. And I think that that's why I think you see all these safeties. Because if you notice before that game, we weren't big on adding safeties. After that game, I mean, we we, we went and, and filled out a safety bingo card, man. That's true. So, so I, I, I think that game played a lot into, you know, going out and getting some of the guys we did this past mm-hmm. week at that position. Yeah. And they're impact guys. Every single one of those guys we got, the three that we got, you know, I mean, I'm sure they expect to come in here and get significant playing time. And you add Griffin and then Neil to that mix. I mean, you've got a deep safety room that hopefully you can pull, you know, four guys out of that can play significant time. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. JS Mixes says, I think Ja'Cory Brooks is going to be that 50-50 ball type of receiver. Uh, or, yeah, Jacar- I, I think he could be. I definitely think he's a possession receiver based on everything I've seen. And I actually remember seeing him play when I'd watch Alabama. Uh, it seems like their quarterback this year didn't look his way very much, and he had a lot of injuries. But before that, he was playing, he was playing really well. Yeah. And he was a possession receiver. Now – it's hard to – I'm trying to think. I don't know if you remember Reggie Wayne, NFL guy. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Reggie Wayne. He was out of Miami, and then he went to Indianapolis Colts. But he was a possession receiver. He was never a guy that really burned you deep. He was a guy that gets you consistently, though, 10 to 15 yards. Or he could catch like a, a bubble screen and take it about 15 yards. He's a guy that can consistently get you that. Obviously, Colin Lacey's a guy that's going to blow the top off of defenses. You don't want that guy – wide open. You don't want that guy with any space at all because he'll make the most of it with his space. He's, he's an exceptional route runner too, man. Yes, he is. He's 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 tremendous. And I think I think Brooks is going to be that guy who okay, it's third and 7. You need 7 yards at least. He's a guy you can look for in intermediate pa- passing game. Yep. Um let me think. I think we need one more receiver and I think it needs to be another burner. I think we yeah. need one more burner on the team. It doesn't have to be somebody that's going to catch 50 or 60 passes for over 1,000 yards type of guy because it's hard to find another one of those in a portal when you have Colin Lacey sitting there and you have Brooks as your receiver too. But you need a guy who who has that potential. 
I think they really liked the idea of Jalen Lucas being that kind of guy, but he is a gadget player. He's not a receiver, but he yeah. can catch the ball. I was never as big as other people on, on Lucas, who ended up at Florida State. I've I, I watched some Indiana football this year, and other than the game that we played against him, I, I wasn't impressed with him at all because he looked like a guy who didn't have a position. But, you know, I think they're looking for a guy with the big playability that Lucas does have. Uh, Couch House says JoJo Stone. JoJo, I think, is going to be a really good player. We had him on this pod. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's driven. He's motivated. I do wonder, as a true freshman coming off of a lot of injuries, if he's going to be able to make an instant impact this year. Maybe he can. I, if I'm looking at the roster as it is now, Katarius Hicks is the one I'm looking at. Yeah. That kid's got wheels. Can yeah, Katarius Hicks – and he showed flashes in, in the spring and the fall. He mm-hmm. wasn't a kid that just didn't do anything. He showed flashes. So can Katarius Hicks take a leap and be a guy that we can get some production out of, get 20, 20 or so catches maybe, 20 or 30, and that you know some big plays. That would be great if we could do yeah. that. Um, other positions I'm thinking about are, you know, you got to get an edge. I think you need one more receiver, like I said. And maybe one more tight end since we lost the tight end commit that ended up staying at Ball State. So yeah, and then and then of course you you, it, you know we hope Riley comes back. If if he doesn't, then you're going to need a cornerback too, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. Riley's situation's a weird one. Yeah, it is. And when I say weird, I'm not saying he's not coming back. I'm just saying that I think a lot of people thought that that was going to happen yesterday I, I mean when i say a lot of people i'm not talking about just random people i'm talking about i think people within the program thought it was going to happen people that were are that second extension from the program the first ones to get information they thought it was going to happen and it might still happen but yeah. as of now to my understanding is we still don't know what he's going to do so and, and listen you know, somebody back, somebody like riley you you know I think the the kid is doing himself a disservice if he doesn't really think through all of this. And I don't know what NIL money is, is being thrown out there, but he's a guy who, who is an NFL player and he's probably a day, you know, borderline day two, early day three pick. And he's not going to, in my opinion, he can't improve his stock much by coming back. So if he's coming back, he's got to make sure that, hey, the money I'm getting to come back here or maybe somewhere else it, it is worth skipping the draft and, and losing out on a, a year of pro money. Because, you know, he, he could go pro and he's going to get drafted third, fourth round probably. Um, so, and, and again, if he comes back, I don't think that – I mean, maybe he could work his way up to a second-round pick, but his measurables and his play speak for themselves already. He's not, you know, you look at his stats, you know, the, the QBR against him the, and stuff like that. I mean, it is top-notch. It's hard It's hard to improve that. Um, so I think his stock is where it is. Now, he could improve his stock at, at the Combine, um, showing off, you know, his speed and, and yeah. measurables like that. But but from a 
from a college tape standpoint, I don't think it can get much better. So he's got to take his time and make sure that he's getting what he wants. And hopefully it's, it's from us, you know? Yeah. And I totally understand that. I do a little bit of concern would be taking as much time as he has, as far as where we're going, the direction we're heading, it will have to replace him if he leaves, obviously. And it doesn't Kimber. It looks like Kimber's going to Penn state. He immediately after he committed to us and did not visit, by the way, that was an odd thing in in and of itself. He decided he was going to go to A&M on a visit. Then he went to Penn State. He's enrolled at Penn State. I haven't seen anybody officially break that he's definitely going to end up at Penn State, but you kind of wonder. I mean, you can you can enroll at multiple schools, by the way. Like, you can be enrolled at Louisville while you're enrolled at Penn State. I haven't even looked to see if he's enrolled at Louisville, though, to be honest. Uh, I expect him to end up at Penn State. And um, honestly, if I'm just being completely frank, I was never a big fan of the Kimber signing to begin with. I just I've seen too much film, not just the UK game, but the UK game was the worst. He couldn't he couldn't tackle a statue in that game. And I mean he had other games too where it seems like he's he's got blazing speed. He's a good cover corner. But I mean, man, if you can't tackle at all, yeah, it's 10 on 11 out there. And they're gonna run to your side of the field. They're gonna throw bubble screens over there. And we can't, you know, we need to get more physical because we saw the last, I'd say two out of the last three games in particular, we, we really lacked some of that physicality we needed. So the last thing you want to do is start bringing people on that, you know, have tackling issues, especially against that team down the road. You don't want that. So I'll be interested to see what Riley does. Obviously we all are. We're just in wait and see mode right now. I had heard we looked really good as of like, eight or nine days ago. And then I'll, and then, you know, you start seeing reports of the same from people in, in the industry, you know, last few days as well. So hopefully we're still sitting good. And I don't know what the holdup could be if there is one, but like you said, he needs to take his time and make the best decision for him, his future. And I'm sure the staff is supportive of whatever he does, but man, I'm telling you, if we get Quincy Riley back, that's the equivalent of a five-star portal transfer, in my opinion. Yeah, he's I'll a five-star. I mean, I know he's not a transfer, but he's a guy who you assumed early on after the season ended was definitely going pro. So if you get him back, it is almost like you got a commitment. I mean, so, yeah, he's a he's a top ten now. Now. Yeah. All ACC honorable mention bullshit aside, that complete crap. Yeah, that I mean, in in my opinion, when you when you're talking about guys that are could play college football next year, he is a top ten cornerback mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, yeah, and he uh, he's a guy who against USC when everybody else in secondary played bad, he was the one bright spot. He's been consistent all year long. I can't think of a bad game he's played this year at no. all. A shutdown corner. He's the kind of guy, he reminds me of a lot of Jair Alexander, maybe not quite that explosive ability, but he's close. Yeah. And then Catrell Clark was another one that we had like that. Those guys were lockdown corners. Yeah. And that's Quincy Riley, though. He's he's in that discussion as a lockdown corner. And I see Couch House talking about Aaron Williams in the comments. That's a guy who I have high hopes for, assuming he can stay healthy. I know he battled an ACL injury and played through it, which that is still the craziest thing I've ever heard of is playing like eight or nine games 
with a tore ACL. Now, apparently there's different ways you can tear an ACL. And his tear was one that wasn't as bad as what you hear about when you're on the sidelines for a year. But still, it couldn't have been comfortable. And I, and I, I watched a few of his college – I mean college – a few of his high school games at Bosco to watch all those Bosco guys. He was the most impressive player on the field to me. Yeah. As far as Louisville commits go. There's a the, the there's a couple of kids out there that, that went to other schools that were also really good. But as far as the Louisville Bosco guys, Aaron Williams I thought was the best one. So we'll see what he does. And last but not least, we'll see what the quarterback does and if he can stay healthy. Yeah. I mean that that that, that, that everything changes if he's if he's hurt. Everything hey, changes. It, if, if Shuck can live up to his potential, then I'm going to tell you right now, I think this team goes to the college football playoffs. He, I mean, any team, the quarterback's key, but especially in our situation, he is the – because I just don't think we have the experience behind him. Right. He, it, it, It's just huge – that he comes in here and lives up to what his potential is and, and stays healthy. If that happens, I mean, with the defense, we have the, the, the talent on the defensive side. The, I mean, we, we've got a very deep offensive line. We've got two to three good running backs. Uh, and, and it looks like now we've got – we should have a different and better receiving group. And, and, and now tight ends that can actually, you know, produce bigger numbers in the passing game. I mean, you are talking about a team that not only top, um, you know, starter talent-wise, but the depth. We, we have depth I haven't seen at Louisville before. And I think, you know, if, the, if people stay healthy and if Shuck lives up to his potential, you could see the college football playoffs next year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think a big part of that, I know people people have – and I've, I've said too, Michael Penix is a guy who at IU was hurt all the time. And he got hurt all the time. And then he went to Washington and he's been healthy. I will, I will caution people, though, to just assume that that is the same kind of player that Shuck is and that he can stay healthy for the same reasons. Because Michael Penix is a guy who's a natural pocket passer who had some ability to run. He was never a blazing fast guy. He was the kind of guy, kind of like Teddy Bridgewater was in college. Teddy yeah. was not a natural blazing fast runner, but he could do, he could run fast enough that if, if the play broke down and nobody was open and he had a lane, he could, he could, he could hurt you for a few yards up. You know, he could bust a six or seven yard or he could maybe even bust a 15 or 20 yarder under the right circumstances, but he's not a guy you thought of like, and that's actually Michael Penix plays a lot like Teddy Bridgewater. I would say he was even better, to be honest. But they have a similar style, whereas Tyler Shuck is not that. And what I worry about, and the reason I bring that up, is because Tyler Shuck's not a guy you can just sit in the pocket and say, all right, just quit running the ball so much. Because that's how Michael Penix got hurt a lot at IU. He'd go run it when a play would break down. And he it seemed like every single time he ran, he got hurt. No kidding. I remember at one game I was watching with some IU fans. We were sitting there watching the game, and he took off running, and I think he lunged towards the end zone and barely didn't get it. And a guy said he probably is going to be out for the rest of the year after that. 
And then sure enough, he laid on the field. Like he didn't, it was like as the play had just ended. And then sure enough, he laid on the field. He ended up having, I believe, a tour ACL. He was out for the year. So Penix always got hurt when he did stuff like that. Tyrus Shuck has gotten hurt doing stuff like that. The difference between Penix and Shuck is Penix was a guy who could run when he needed to when a play broke down, whereas Tyrus Shuck is a guy who depends on it. He rolls out of the pocket a lot. A lot of his best throws are moving out of the pocket, rolling out. And then, of course, he does the read option thing where he where he does a lot of quarterback reads and runs a lot. And that's just a big part of his game. He's a big right. physical guy. I I think you have to limit some of that based on his injury history. But it, I, would, I would caution anybody thinking that it's easy to do because that would mean he would need to become more of a pocket passer right. and less reliant on his legs. And the other argument is, well, that's not what Braum wants. Braum brought him in here because of his legs. And that may very well be true. But the more he runs, you know, the higher risk he is for injury. And hopefully he'll do good. He has all the tools. It's not a question of the tools for him. But if he doesn't, if he gets hurt, I just don't know who behind him is even close to being ready. Yeah. Well, and and to your point on the run and his, you know, his, his running style isn't a Lamar Jackson running style. Lamar is a great runner. Right. And, and, and he's, and he's, yeah, I, I know he's had injuries the past couple of years, but they had, they've been more, I think he's been injured in the pocket, but Lamar is so good at the elusiveness factor in running that he, he doesn't take many big hits. Shuck runs more like a, a Josh Allen. Yeah. He's a, he's a physical runner. And he doesn't have the body of Josh Allen. And, and you know, you can say broken bones are, are you know, you know, not not predictive like a, a torn ACL. But but when you run the way he does, they become a little bit more predictive. You know, when you're when you're that physical and, and you're not trying to avoid contact, which in his you know, watching his highlights, he does not avoid contact very well. That and that's what it is. It's like he's a physical runner that gets hurt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like he, it, I guess what I'm saying is you're not going to be able to do that. But mm-hmm. my my concern is that that has been your identity. So I guess it's not that you're not going to be able to do that. It's that there's a very high risk of that backfiring. So the question becomes, do you have an off season where you can alter his game enough to not rely on that so much and depend on it? Or do you have to roll out there and just gamble and hope that he can play his style of football and finally stay healthy, which it's a double-edged sword in a lot of ways to me because one requires you to change your skill set, which is very difficult to do, and the other one requires you to rely on a skill set that gets you hurt every single year. So yeah. we'll see. We need him, though. We need him to stay healthy. Yeah. We got to hope he has some of that Michael Penix luck as far as transferring and then staying healthy because it wasn't just this year. Penix stayed healthy last year at Washington. So he had two years in a row where he started, I believe he started and played through every single game. Now he got the crap beat out of him against Michigan and hung in there until the end. He was hurting then, but hopefully he'll he'll bounce back at the combine and, and do fine. But all that being said, you know, it's been – I did want to touch real quick before we uh, get off here. Uh, obviously we had the big basketball win and – Football recruiting is going off the charts, but Nick Saban retiring today. I know that's, that's not sports related, 
But it could be if we can get a, a – we need to look at the the edge rushers for Alabama, see if there's any second or third stringers that might want to come along for the ride. And it's worth looking at. But, man, yeah. did you see that coming? No, I mean, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about it in Discord. And, I mean, you kind of shared my opinion. I thought that Nick Saban li- lived – I thought he, 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 to me, he was always the the Rick Pitino right. of college football with his obsession yep. with with the sport, and, and Pitino I think will will coach until he literally can't coach anymore. And I thought Saban was going to be the same way. So, which is funny because what did Pitino always say in his fifties? He said he wasn't going to coach past sixty. He, it's he's too obsessed <laughs> with it. Too obsessed with it. But if you know Pitino, it's par for the course. Just take his extreme statements and, and he does the opposite and then acts like he never said the extreme statement. No, um, but yeah, Saban's a guy who I really did. I thought he would, I mean, his wife even said not too long ago, he was going to coach till he died. And so it's yeah. like less a week after she said that maybe less he retires. So at some point though, you look at it, it's like, what more can you do? You made the college yeah. football playoffs and your fans are pissed that you didn't beat Michigan. Yeah, and you didn't get killed by them. You barely lost. Lost. Yeah. Your fans are pissed. Like you set expectations so high that you can no longer meet them, and that's when you need to go. Yeah. Uh, so I think he did the right thing, but that was wild. And Crazy. we'll see what happens. We'll see how recruiting shakes out. I think portal recruiting is probably done until the spring, unless you get one of these guys from Alabama or maybe somebody that's still in the portal and waiting. We'll see if that ends up happening or not. Uh, otherwise, I would expect us to be done for a bit and keep all eyes on Quincy Riley awaiting his decision and hope hope for good news with him. But, I mean, I wish the best of luck for him no matter what he decides. That being said, guys, huge win tonight against Miami. We talked about that for a while early on. Take the – don't – I've been looking at Twitter a little bit. I see people already like talking about what this means as far as the future. Don't look at it that way, man. Just enjoy it tonight. Maybe, maybe tomorrow, continue to enjoy it. And then talk about that stuff later, man. Because if you can't enjoy it at all, you can't watch it or you shouldn't watch it. Just take it in, soak it in. We got a big win against a team that was 25 and 1 in our last 26 home games. We were 0 and 22 in our last 22 road games. Mm-hmm. So the, the probability of this happening. I mean, it makes me think I'm going to win the Mega Millions tomorrow. <laughs> what? Any any final thoughts, Patrick? Before we, wrap yeah, up? no, I'll piggyback, man. It, it was it was fun, as I've said multiple times. It was fun to watch the basketball game tonight, which it hasn't been, and and not even just in the KP era, but back to that final Mac year. It, it hasn't been fun to watch many games, and this one was fun to watch. So yeah, live in live in the moment. You know, we'll worry about NC State next, and then and then we can talk about, you know, what what if we see any real change or not. But but today was fun, and then I I, I want to say one thing about the portal, as because you know the the winter season portal season as I would call it is coming to a close, and you know by all means we we are. At the very least, a top three portal class, number one in, in some spots. And I think this is so important because it shows the college football world that Louisville is serious about college football, which I know isn't going to be 
the reason the Big Ten or, or the SEC invite us to their conference. But if you continue to be serious about college football, you, you will continue to win. You will continue to get more fans. You will continue to be someone that people want to watch. So this is kind of our starting moment, hopefully over the next five years, to improve our brand. And I, I'm just I'm excited about it, and 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 also it, it shows you know the NI, the NIL game here is for real, which is exciting once we get basketball going too. Um, yeah, five so, circle. I got my shirt on. There you go, man. I'm wrapping. Yeah, get get out there and, and you know again, man. Every little bit helps. You know, if you're if you're canceling, uh, if you want to cancel a subscription service, you pay $10 a month for and give it to 502 Circle. That's a good idea, man. Which which one, Patrick? No, I'm just kidding. Don't say that. We're not going to throw any of them under the bus. Uh, Tar Heels for life. Thanks for joining us, man. Like I said, celebrate the win tonight, guys. Celebrate what you can when you can. Till next time, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Third Banner Pod. Go Cards. Go Cards. <laughs>